it's so empowering for these patients that once they suddenly feel their chest pain going away, they feel their angina diminishing, uh, they realize that this is, this is the answer. It's not surprising that as those people continue to eat those same foods that are going to trash and injure the endothelial cell, as they go through their, 25, their 20s, 30s, into their 40s, now we begin to see these sort of end-stage clinical cardiac events, which are from a disease which has been developing really for decades. This is Nick Delgado with Simply Healthy TV. I'm with Caldwell Esselstein, and he is the author of a book, a very important book, on reversing heart disease. You have told me that within days, the process of the reversal of plaque buildup that may have accumulated over decades begins right away. So those people who are looking to have bypass surgery, which the number continues to grow, what is the possibility that if they intervene with a healthy diet, an oil-free diet, no added oils, but it has fat in it, a plant-based protein diet, what is the probability and the proof that you have that we can reverse cardiovascular disease? Well, I think, uh, Nick, it's, it's fascinating to look at patients who, <clears throat> let's say they have fully diagnosed coronary artery heart disease. And I, let's say this has been confirmed by an abnormal PET scan, PET rubidium dipyridamol scan to be exact. In other words, what you'll see is areas of the heart muscle where this isotope carried by the red cell does not show up. In other words, it's, it's not getting into that area of the heart muscle. When these people go on a full bore, plant-based, whole food, diet, uh, it's amazing when you repeat the scan uh, in three and six weeks, you can see now reperfusion of that area. Now, we haven't washed out that fast. We haven't washed out the blockage of the plaque in the artery. But what has changed is their entire cascade of blood vessels in the heart, the epicardial vessels on the outside of the heart which is where most of the plaque is forming. And especially those blood vessels within the myocardium where there are thousands and thousands of these small arteries connecting. That area is also fully diseased, not with plaque, but the endothelial cells, which are the life jacket and the guardian of our blood vessels, have been so beaten down that they don't have enough nitric oxide to dilate that entire cascade of vessels. <clears throat> and so when these patients begin to eat this way, well, all, all that really is happening so rapidly is the endothelial cells within that myocardium, which have not only not been producing enough nitro, nitric oxide, but they are now producing, when they're beaten down, endothelin and thromboxane, which are two molecules that are vasoconstrictive. And so as soon as you stop entering the endothelium, this entire cascade of vessels within the myocardium 
once again dilates, stops making the vasoconstrictors, starts making nitric oxide the vasodilator, and the angina begins to subside. And then, then you absolutely know you've got the patient hooked. And uh, really, that's, it's so empowering for these patients that once they suddenly feel their chest pain going away, they feel their angina diminishing, uh, they realize that this is, this is the answer. In other words, what were he doing here in spades? And even my cardiovascular friends will concede this. They are not treating the causation of the illness. This, isn't, this illness is not caused by lack of taking a statin drug. This illness is not caused by lack of a stent or lack of bypass surgery. This illness is caused because every time certain foods pass your lips, you decimate, trash, and injure the capacity of the endothelial cells to make sufficient nitric oxide to do the great protection job that they do. Meat high in fat, dairy products high in fat, cheese, olive oil, all the above may insult or deplete nitric oxide. Some of those foods, although olive oil doesn't mm -hmm. have cholesterol, it extinguishes the ability of nitric oxide to operate properly. And the meat, chicken and fish included, still has cholesterol in it. So insidiously, it's clogging the arteries. Some people are claiming that cholesterol is a myth. How are they saying this? I know Cleveland Clinic published studies years ago, 723 men, Nathan Pritikin referred to this study, and of all ages, 17 to, I believe, uh, 69, and the individual 17-year-old even had plaque in the arteries, and they complained of mild chest pain and said, let's go in there and do an imaging, an angiogram. And even with mild chest pain in most cases, like in, even in the Korean War and after the other war, Vietnam, we're finding plaques in a vast majority of our Western society. Is that true? Well, there's no question that the uh, autopsy studies of our GIs who, who died in Korea uh, in the early 1950s, at average age 20, 78 to 80 percent of them already had gross evidence of coronary disease you could see without a microscope. Not average enough, age of 20. Not enough, not enough for their cardiac uh, events yet, but uh, it was already pretty well established. That study was repeated 45 years later, 1999, this time looking at young women and men between the ages of 17 and 34 who have died of accidents, homicides, and suicides. In that group, the disease now is ubiquitous. You graduate from high school in this country. Ubiquitous, found in everyone. You graduate from high school in this country, you get a diploma, and you also get the foundation for heart disease. Yeah. So it's not surprising that as those people continue to eat those same foods that are going to trash and injure the endothelial cell, as they go through their, 25, their 20s, 30s, into their 40s, now we begin to see these sort of end-stage clinical cardiac events, which are from a disease which has been developing really for decades. Dr. Asselstein, you knew of Nathan Pritikin's work early on, as of course I worked with Pritikin, I was director of the Pritikin program, spent every night debriefing while he talked to clients and patients every night and every day. Well, he was a great pioneer, yeah. no question. He was, he yeah. was a fabulous man, yeah. Your own father developed a cardiovascular disease. Was that your first awakening that you needed to No, take? I was, uh, <laughs> I, 
I was really, uh, I think, 11 years old when he uh, had his first heart attack. So, so the memory I of don't think it really re registered, except that uh, as I grew older and recognized that that would have uh, increased uh, the risk of the rest of us in the family. Yeah. Now, at the facility, surgical intervention facility you worked with, surgeries bypass were routinely done, and yet some of the very surgeons doing the surgeries uh, had chose to see you and make changes in their diet and their exercise and help to monitor and see if they could reverse the disease without surgery. Is that true? You know, when you make changes and you're changing the paradigm of medicine. Mm -hmm. It's really like turning the Queen Mary around in the harbor. The bigger the boat, the slower and tougher it is to turn it around. Yeah. Now, I have nothing but the greatest respect for my cardiovascular colleagues. Of course. For their care, <clears throat> their compassion, uh, and their fund of knowledge. But can the best be even better? And I think what we've got now uh, we have a number of cardiologists who have been through our program who have really caught the magic and they themselves now have been in it, brought this to their institution long enough that they're now reporting also in the peer-reviewed literature because what is really going to turn this around is truly the science. It's going to be the evidence and the science. But let's just start with an example that, what does it mean to those of us who practice medicine when we recognize that there are literally millions of people on the planet today who will never conceive of having cardiovascular disease? The Okinawans, the Papua Highlanders, the rural Chinese, Central Africa, the Tarahumara. No cardiovascular disease, millions of people. What's going on here? What's the common denominator? They're all whole food, plant-based nutrition without oil. Now, we find that when we adopt that approach to patients who are really ravaged with heart disease, it is so remarkable how they can halt their disease and then there are measurable parameters of reversal. Now, let's just talk about there are eight different types of ways of rec recognizing coronary artery disease reversal. One that's occasionally quite dramatic was when you see a reversal on an angiogram itself. That may be one-fifth or one-quarter of patients. The other would be a change of their baseline stress test, a stress test which they failed, then they really hit the plant-based program, program. Ten or twelve months later, they repeat it. It's markedly improved or they're back to normal. Then you have the PET rubidium dipyridamol scan, PET scan that I mentioned. It clearly can show, literally, within sometimes three weeks, you can reperfuse an area that formerly was being very poorly perfused. That's three. Then there's, if you're looking at the carotid artery, you can look at an uh, ultrasound. Ultrasound. Mm -hmm. You want to check in the leg for improvement, you can do a pulse volume at baseline at the ankle and then repeat the pulse volume say, 10 or 12 months later. <clears throat> then there's also the symptoms that are changing. Angina disappears. Claudication, which is angina of the calf, goes away. 
and erectile dysfunction. Within resolved, a year, maybe? Resolved, sure. Mm -hmm. Well, erectile dysfunction often sooner than that, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Caldwell-Esselstyn, the research is clear. The evidence is in. We're really dealing more with a political ba battle. We're dealing with emotional battle because diet is so personal. When uh, 38 years, I was following mostly a vegan, non, no oil diet. And six months ago, uh, my friends kept encouraging me, try the paleo diet. I knew what would happen, but I, I said, I'll take them up on it. So I went on this fish, chicken, turkey, meat with vegetables. In six months, my cholesterol, which was under 150, went over 256, the highest of my lifetime. I gained body fat. I genetically have a tendency to gain weight easily, and I'm used to eating large plant quantities of foods, so I wasn't as careful as the amount of meat I ate, even though it was lean meat, and my cholesterol went up, and I gained weight. It was horrible. So eight weeks ago, I made the commitment, I'm done with this, the experiment's over. I went back to a whole food, exactly as I knew, potatoes, things that everyone says is fattening, sweet potatoes, rice, fruits, vegetables, lots of fruit. And my cholesterol came back down to 150. I've dropped nearly 15 of the 20 pounds I gained. And for me, that's, I don't think that's a unique experience. I'm, I'm concerned about all the people that are convinced that we were somehow meat eaters in the paleo time. Uh, wasn't feces analyzed to show that we were plant foragers four million years ago, doc Dr. Van? Uh, what, what is your belief about the origin of our diet? Well, and what is this paleo thing? Where I find uh, myself more and more in this situation, as I mentioned to you, is relying on the science. I think when you get into the situation where you're having a a wrestling match with everybody else who has a different point of view, there's very little that's productive that has come out of that. And what I would suggest is that for those who are firmly in, in belief of a meat-eating program, let's see the data. Yeah. Let's, let's have the science. Because just coming out with books and hype and snake oil uh, and just trying to convince people by what somebody did millions of years ago or ten, tens of thousands of years ago is, is not the answer. The answer has to be science. And I think we've, we've proved the science. And we've had it published in peer-reviewed scientific journals. And uh, let's, let's see what happens. Because I think one thing that's very clear that is a, really a validation <clears throat> for whole food plant-based nutrition is the work of Stanley Hazen and his team who looked at the uh, metabolism, the gut metabolism of people who were omnivores eating meat. And when they metabolized carnitine and phosphatidylcholine and that's in meat, omnivores have a bacterial intestinal population that will convert those uh, uh, products into TMA, trimethylamine, which is oxidized in the liver to trimethylamine oxide, which can then injure blood vessels. But when they give, for instance, someone who's totally eating a whole food plant-based diet, if they give them a steak, they don't make any TMAO. Why? Because 
whole food plant-based eaters do not have the microbiome which allows them or permits them to make this TMAO which will injure their vessel. And so I think that's really solid, uh, solid science that would suggest one of the mechanisms that eating meat devastates the blood vessels. If you were to design the perfect diet, as I've read your books, people are afraid of the glycemic index. I think they've misinterpreted it. To my understanding, Dr. James Anderson from the University of Kentucky, an endocrinologist, put people or, or noticed that people were on a high Western, high-fat diet. They then fed them carrots only or potatoes only, and they noticed the glucose went up, and they claimed the glycemic index was not good for particular foods. But when he repeated the study and put them all on a plant-based, no-oil-added mm -hmm. diet for two weeks, then he did the same study. The glycemic index for carrots and potatoes was excellent. There was no horrible rise in blood sugar or glucose. Do you think that Pritikin was right, that oils and fats desensitize the insulin and interfere with the mechanism of allowing insulin to push glucose or sugar in the cells? And maybe a person just needs to stick with eating some fruit, potatoes, rice, beans and peas for several weeks, and then their blood sugars will finally catch up to normalize. <clears throat> I don't think there's any question, but what we, those of us who are treating patients who have cardiovascular disease, who so often have an accompanying diabetes, yes. right? We have to alert them as they transition into this whole food plant-based nutrition. Keep an absolute hawkeye on your morning blood sugar because what's gonna happen is they suddenly begin to transition, their diabetes is going to be cured and as they, that morning glucose it's going to go lower, and we don't want them to get hypoglycemic. Too, too so they low. have to keep a steady eye on that morning glucose and appropriately adjust their diabetic medications so it doesn't get too low. Yeah. Yeah, we had over 4,000 <clears> patients <throat> through the diabetic uh, facility uh, study with Pritikin and Loma Linda University. And we had to monitor them every week because, exactly as you said, as they ate more potatoes and fruits and vegetables, their blood sugar improved and they gradually reduced their need for insulin or got off it completely in the majority of the cases. Just like Walter Kempner had proved before him, Dr. Hemsworth had proved before him. Um, there's a lot of research and proof and it just keeps getting forgotten in the medical literature. Is it? Oh, is no, I don't, no, I don't think it's forgotten. It's ignored. Uh, it's, no, I, these, these, these things just take, uh, take time and I can't, uh, I can't see uh, going much longer before uh, all of cardiovascular medicine will begin to uh, embrace this because there's no question that whole food plant-based nutrition, and I've even heard it from younger, some of the younger cardiologists now who have uh, embraced this, saying that, my God, uh, I was never taught this up at Harvard. I was never taught this at Yale or Columbia. This is the absolute strongest tool we have in the toolbox. Yes. And it's... Uh, it's so em empowering uh, to be able to uh, see there's been a basic covenant of trust between the caregiver and the patient since the days of Hippocrates. Wherever possible, the caregiver is going to share with the patient what is the causation of the illness. But today in cardiovascular medicine, that's not being done. Uh, but 
some of the younger ones and those that have uh, begin to under, understand the power of this uh, are doing it. It's very exciting. So the president of the American Cardiology Society with 47,000 members was on stage here earlier and stated that exactly what you're talking about, a, a vegan, plant-based, whole foods diet is the direction that oh. all cardiologists... It's so exciting to think that uh, Kim Williams, who is now president of the American College of Cardiology, is himself plant-based, treats his patients that way. I mean, that's so, that is so gratifying and so exciting for those of us who have been in the arena for a while. Yeah, congratulations to Kim Lee and his bravery and his Kim tenacity. Williams. Kim Williams, excuse yeah. me. And his tenacity to come out to, and start yeah. educating other cardiologists. Got to be done. It's happening one person at a time. Yeah. But now with the show, tens of thousands of people are going to hear this message. <laughs> okay. So with nitric oxide, very yeah. important. Uh, 1998 Nobel Prize was awarded. I met Lou Ignario mm -hmm. uh, and their team, and they talked about the importance of deriving from plant nitri nitrates. It would hit the saliva, Swiss chard, beets, arugula, uh, spinach, and it would convert. We're using red spinach, which is even more concentrated without the phytates, and it converts in the mouth into nitric oxide. Very okay. important molecule. Oh, uh, I think the uh, anaerobic bacteria <clears throat> that are in the crypts and grooves of the tongue yes. will reduce in the mouth the nitrates to nitrites. When the nitrites are then swallowed, gastric acid then will further reduce the nitrites to nitric oxide. Beautiful, yeah. well stated. So in your regime then, a whole foods diet, rich in greens, rich in, do you use juices uh, at times, uh, green juices? You prefer them to eat the whole food? Yeah. Yeah. So the message is clear. This will also help reduce the incidence of stroke, not just heart attack, brain damage, the uh, uh, incredible number of people that have to go through rehabilitation. Uh, it likely, as Dean Orish has stated, the very same diet you're advocating will not only reduce stroke and heart attack, it's going to reduce the incidence of cancer for a lot of reasons. Right. So the gut plays a role in this? Oh, that, that is just exploding. Uh, where the, <laughs> that is a, a, a wonderful chapter in medicine that's just going to be so much to fun to follow. Yeah. So lifestyle medicine is probably reasonably defined as uh, a basic foundation whole foods diet, little or no processing. It includes exercise, appropriate amount of exercise, where you're breathing heavy during your exercise. It includes quality sleep. It includes love and positive emotions and connection, right? It probably over time will include a number of things that we have yet to define as part of lifestyle medicine, but those are the core principles that we must learn and study and educate our clients and patients about. Is there anything we left out? <laughs> the next chapter? <clears throat> Which is? Wait and see. <laughs> I'm predicting it's going to be hormone optimization with bioidentical hormones. I think that will have a place for personalized, particularly in individuals past the age of 70 and 80 and 90. Um, 
I think that the literature will prove out that a lot of times people taking bowel identical hormones are unfortunately still conditioned to eat too much meat in their diet. <clears throat> and some of the things that confound the findings will turn out to be the inadequacy or the inappropriate diet. Uh, because there is a point where we age, the hormones decline, the telomeres shorten. Although we have ways to maintain the length of the telomeres to an extent, and the only thing proven now is lifestyle medicine intervention, right? Yeah. Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, it's been a pleasure. Uh, your message is clear. Uh, I do have one last question, and that is whole nuts and seeds in very small quantities with its fiber present, a little bit of avocado or olives. Is there a place for the diet once a person stabilized or started to reverse their cardiovascular disease? I think for people who don't have cardiovascular disease, I think, you know, nuts, avocado are, are fine. But I think that <clears throat> once you have cardiovascular disease, I'm a little bit resistant uh, to having more saturated fat. I mean, we just heard even today how saturated fat really messes up the microbiome, yeah. uh, not, not to mention what it does to cardiovascular disease. So that I, uh, and also it's, if I ever said to my patients who have heart disease, uh, you're going to have nuts, there'd be nuts in the glove compartment, there'd be nuts in the bathroom, there'd be nuts in the living room, the dining room, the hallway. Uh, nuts, ever hear of anybody who ate one nut? No. And they're usually salted and roasted. They're yeah. rarely raw. And so now you got it, right. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. I Good. appreciate it. <laughs>Hi, Dr. Nick Delgado here. Please give us a review on iTunes and we'll be happy out of the group of reviews to choose a lucky winner of one of our award-winning products. It could be EstroBlock, Adrenal DMG, Stem Cell Strong, or even Power & Speed. We'll ship you a bottle at no cost. You'll enjoy it just from basically giving us a review on iTunes. Also, visit DelgadoProtocol.com. That's DelgadoProtocol.com and take our free hormonal quiz. Looking forward to assisting you to be your absolute best.